0: Excellent. Y'all see how that went down? The folks that were supposed to do children's church weren't here and hadn't contacted anybody, so immediately somebody stepped in. That's the way church family works right there. Amen. Thank the Lord, for Caleb and Stephanie, and many of you do the same thing. What a blessing it is. You know, many of us uh, don't have a clue who he is. But Sergeant Alvin York may have been the most famous soldier in World War I. Alvin C. York was also the most unlikely man to become a legendary hero. You see, York was a Christian, and he felt that his Christian faith prohibited him from killing anyone, even in war. So he had this dilemma between his faith and being called to serve in the war. Finally, in a crisis, God himself showed Sergeant York through a a Christian chaplain that he could obey God but also defend the helpless citizens of Europe. One night, Sergeant York wrote this. He said, I prayed alone tonight, but I knew God was there. I knew God didn't want me to be a fighter. I knew God didn't want me to be a killing man. And so God took pity on me, and he gave me the assurance that I needed. It was God's will for me to go to World War I. And that was all I needed to hear. You see, Sergeant York had to win the war in his mind first. He had to win the war in his mind before he could win the battles that lay ahead of him on the shores of France. Joshua was the same way. Before Joshua could face the battles that lie ahead of him headed to the promised land, He had to win the battles of his mind first. You are the same. Before you can face and be victorious in the battles that you'll face even today and for the rest of your life, you first have got to win the battle of your mind. Who do you serve? You know, this Bible story of Jericho's destruction has captivated Christians for centuries. The big question is this. How in the world does an army obtain victory without a single battle? In Joshua's account of what went on, I believe that he shares with us five truths that will enable you and I to win the battles of life, but also to obtain spiritual victory. And that's something we all need. The first truth I want to share with you this morning is this. Battles are won by remembering who's in command. In other words, who's the boss of your life? Who's your commander? Who's in command of your life? After receiving the report from the two spies, after readying the troops and crossing over the Jordan River, it was time for Joshua to look inside himself and prepare himself for this battle. So apparently we find that he went to check out Jericho. He went over there, and and maybe he was going to devise a, a battle plan of some sort. But it was there that he encountered this man He encountered this man with a sword drawn in his hand. In Joshua chapter 5, beginning in the very beginning of verse 13, follow along with me. It's on page 197, and the Bible's in front of you. But I want you to follow along with me, if you would, in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. For the Bible says that it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. That phrase, lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, has a certain element of surprise. Don't know where this fella came from, but he showed up there all of a sudden, and it surprised Joshua. And verse 13 continues, saying, And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? And I don't want you to miss the man's response in verse 14 because he says, no. As the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. In other words, uh, his response wasn't what Joshua was expecting because his response was literally, neither. I'm not for you, and I'm not for your adversaries. Here's the point. When God shows up, He doesn't show up to take sides. He shows up to take over. He wants to take over every facet of your life. He wants to take over your marriage. He wants to take over your school. He wants to take over your workplace. When God shows up, He wants to take over the whole situation. So we don't ask God, Hey God, are you on my side? No. We go into the mirror And we ask the mirror, hey, are you on God's side? That's the most important thing. Today, as we face all of our physical problems, as we face the anniversary of 9-11, as we face terrorism, as we face relational problems, as we face spiritual challenges, we better make sure we're on the Lord's side. Because God is here to take over. In every battle you face, you better be sure you're on the Lord's side. So when this messenger identified himself, Joshua fell on his face and worshipped, saying, What does my Lord say to his servant? And verse 15 continues the story. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, what you need to know about this is that Bible scholars will tell us that this is something that is called a Christophany. Now, I don't expect you to know what that means any more than I did. But a Christophany is a time when Christ, Jesus, appeared as a man before he appeared as a baby. So Bible scholars will tell you that this is the Lord Jesus who has appeared as a man 1,400 years before he appeared as a baby in Bethlehem. Now, how do you know that? What are they basing that on? Well, first of all, the shock and amazement and awe that Joshua would do what? Fling himself face down in the ground before the Lord. The messenger allowed himself to be worshipped. See, angels angels don't allow themselves to be worshipped. In fact, the Bible will tell you in many different places, the angel would say, get up off your knees. You don't worship me. You worship God and God only. But there's a second reason why we think, why we believe that this may be a Christophany, an appearance of Jesus before his time. And that was, did you hear what he told Joshua to do? He said, Joshua, remove your sandals because the place that you're standing is holy ground. Friends, the only reason that it's holy ground is if God is there. That's the only thing that makes anything holy is if God Almighty is there. So he told him to remove his sandals because it was holy ground. Just like God told Moses at the burning bush, Hey boy, take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground. God was present. God was there. God is the only one one worthy of being worshipped. Now, we're not told what the message is but we probably feel like that it was uh, uh, some details on how they might have victory over Jericho. But the most important part of this meeting with the commander-in-chief was this. Israel, you're not fighting alone. You're not in this fight alone. Friends, in the battles that you face day in and day out, I want you to know on the authority of the word of God today that you are not alone. In your relational problems, I want you to know that you're not facing that battle alone. In your sicknesses, I want you to know you're not facing that alone. In problems that you have throughout life, you don't face them alone if you're on the Lord's side. That's the truth of the Bible. Now, in chapter 6, verse 1, we're introduced to the scene in Jericho. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. Get this. None went out. None came in. What does that mean? That means the school was in lockdown. You know what that means, right? In In the event of terrorism, the school goes into lockdown. Ain't nobody going out. Ain't nobody coming in. Jericho, the entire city, was in lockdown. Now, what we also need to know is that God begins by giving Joshua a promise. In verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king, and its mighty men of valor. Did you notice what the Lord said there? The Lord is proclaiming the victory as if it already occurred. But Israel hadn't lifted a finger yet. God says, I have given Jericho into your hands. It's just as sure as if it already happened. God gave them Jericho. But you know, it bothers me a lot that we as Christians are losing some battles along the way until I remember the final chapter of the book. I've read the final chapter in the book. And do you know who wins? We win. So friend, if you're facing a battle, if you're facing a struggle, if you're facing a problem, don't sweat it. Because in the end, the Bible says we win if we're on God's side. So you need to determine this morning, am I on God's side? Now I'm not so... Naive to think that we won't lose a few skirmishes along the way. Maybe there's been some times when I've been down. There have been some times when I've stayed down. I've lost a few of the battles along my life, but I know that the Lord has already won the war, and as long as I'm on the the Lord's side, I'm a winner. And I don't have to sweat the skirmish. So not only is the battle won by remembering who's in command, Your second truth for obtaining spiritual victory is this, and that is God's methods are not always man's methods. But God's methods are always the right methods. Did you hear that? God's methods are always the right methods. The commander-in-chief gave instructions to Joshua concerning how Jericho was going to be defeated, how the war was going to be won, and As he was telling Joshua this, I mean, I bet Joshua was saying, how in heaven's name is this going to work? Let's read about it there in verse 3. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. What? And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark, but the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout and then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up there, every man straight before him. At this time, the great, one of the great military leaders of the time, Joshua, must have thought that this commander had lost his mind. That's a pretty strange way to win a war, a pretty strange way to win a battle. I mean, marching around the city and blowing horns and waiting for walls to collapse was not in any of the military manuals of the day. He must have been wondering, what in the world is this commander telling me to do? But I want you to notice something. Notice what they took with them. They took with them the Ark of the Covenant. The last week we learned that the Ark of the Covenant symbolizes the power and the presence of God. What am I saying? I'm telling you that God was with them. That God was there. As they marched around Jericho, guess who was with them? God. God was with them. The battle wasn't theirs. The battle was God's battle. It was up to God to win that battle. God's people basically just contributed to Nothing. They were told to march, and Jericho would be overthrown. Now I wonder what all those Israelites were thinking as they marched around the city of Jericho. See, there's something you need to know. Jericho's walls were very high. In fact, there were two walls. The outer wall was 20 feet tall. That's about uh, the the height to the center being here. 20 feet tall, and that wall was 6 feet thick, which is about my wingspan here. That was that was wall one. But then there was a 15-yard 15, uh, 15 space where the guards, the armed guards, could patrol. And then there was another wall. The second wall, the inner wall, was 30 feet tall, 10 feet taller than the center beam, and it was 12 feet thick. These were serious walls, and the gate going into the city was massive, massive gate, and that gate was completely and securely shut. So each time those folks went around the city of Jericho, it had to be becoming increasingly clear that unless God intervened, there ain't going to be no victory here. If God doesn't intervene in this battle against Jericho, there will be no victory. Victory. So that old spiritual song that says Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the wall fell down flat, that ain't right, y'all. Jericho didn't fight nothing. God fought the battle of Jericho and God made the walls fall flat. All the Israelites did was march and shout. There was no doubt, no doubt who knocked down the walls of Jericho. You see, friends, at times, God will put what we have to offer on the sideline. So that, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. I mean, if you can do something in your own ability, it ain't a God thing. Amen? If you can do it, then why does God need to intervene? This was a God thing. The excellence of the power of God was shown that day. And there, beginning in verse 6, Joshua then gives the instructions to the people. Look with me in verse 6. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let the seven priests bear the seven trumpets before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. And so it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets before the Lord advanced And blew the trumpets. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets. And the rear guard came after the ark. While the priest continued blowing the trumpets. See God's methods ain't always man's methods. But God's methods are always. Say always. Always always the right methods. And that's what we need to learn. Now, there's a third way that we can obtain spiritual victory, and that is this. To remember that the best way to hear from God sometimes is for you to be quiet. If you're anything like me, when I hit my knees to pray, man, I'm immediately telling God what, what he needs to do and what I need from him. Uh, it's all about what I need and what I want. Uh, instead of just shutting up and listening to what God might have to say to me, In the quiet time between us. Sometimes the best way to hear from God is to be quiet. Look in verse 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice. Nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. The people were instructed to remain absolutely silent until they heard the long blast from the trumpet, and then they're just shout. God's word reveals that we hear God's voice the best when we're silent. Can you hear it? Moses said in Exodus chapter 14, the Lord will fight for you. You just hold your peace. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Be quiet before me. Hold your peace. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. you got to be just silent. Then in verse 11, so he had the ark of the Lord circled the city going around it. Look at me. Once. And then they came to the camp and they lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blowing the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued to blow the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city, look at me, once. And they returned to camp. And so they did this for six days. For six days. So when Joshua passed these instructions on to the people, he never mentioned anything to them about these walls falling down. After six days of the same single march, coming in from the camp, marching around Jericho, they returned to the camp. Next day, come in from the camp, march around the city of Jericho, back to camp. For the first six days. Then all of a sudden the final seventh day came. On each of those previous days they trampled once around the city. But on the seventh day the Israelites never returned to camp. They continued marching around the city. In verse 15 But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day, and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. So they came in from the camp, and they began to march around the city. But instead of going back to camp, they continued their loop. They marched around the city. And they marched around the city. And they marched around the city two times, three times, and it continued. In fact, I envisioned that at some point the front line began to overlap the second line. And then all of a sudden, there wasn't just one line of people around the city. There was two lines of people around the city. Not only two, but three. Not only three, but four, five. bet you that there was a 100 people deep Surrounding the city of Jericho. Keep in mind that there were over two million Israelites. This speaks to us too, because when we're together, doing God's work together, we're encouraged together. And so, as these hundred people deep surrounded Jericho, their confidence and their encouragement began to grow. I want you to remember that battles are won by remembering who's in charge. Battles are won by always remembering that God's methods are the right methods. But also, the best way to hear from God is to be quiet. Be quiet. And there's a second truth, or a fourth truth, rather, that I want to share with you about obtaining spiritual victory, about winning those battles of life. And that is this. Victory is ours if we do not quit. If we do not quit. Don't quit. Do it. Do not quit. Look in verse 16. And the seventh time it happened, they didn't quit. When the priests blew their trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And then look in verse 20. And so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened that when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout and that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the entire city. Don't quit. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 30 recounts the fact that By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people marched around them seven days. What is it that honors God the most? What is it that you can do that pleases God the most? The thing that honors God, the thing that God loves to honor, listen carefully, here it comes, is faith. More than anything, God wants you to trust him. You're going through a bad battle? I feel you, brother and sister. Trust him. Going through some marital strife? I feel you. you got to trust him. Been sick and you're tired of being sick? I feel you. Trust him. Victory is ours. If we do not quit. In fact Hebrews 11.6 says. That without faith it's impossible to please God. We like to say at CIA. That we love to put a smile on God's face. There ain't no way you can put a smile on God's face. Unless you trust him. Unless you have faith in him. But here's something that faith comes with. And that is obedience. Obedience. Faith comes with obedience. The prophet Samuel said, hey, to obey is better than sacrifice. It's more important for you to obey God than it is for you to give to God. He wants you to obey him. And if you look back, you find Jericho didn't tell the people in advance what was going to happen. He never told them how many times they were to circle the city. He never told them what the result was going to be. He just told them, hey, obey. Obey God. Live in obedience. Now, Dr. Alan Redpath says that a lot of Christians never see the answers to their prayers because they have stopped obeying. Because they've just stopped. One round short of their personal Jericho, and they stopped. Whatever you do, friend, don't stop obeying God. Don't stop one round short of overcoming your personal Jericho. Maybe you've been doing the right things. Man, you've been busy. Man, you're so drained and weary. You you just don't think you've got any more to to do or any more that you can do. You're doing the right things. But then all of a sudden, you say, that's it. I'm stopping may have just been one more one more one more time one more time and you would have seen the rewards and the fruit of your service think about this jericho might still be standing today if it weren't for the obedience of God's people but because they were obedient because they trusted God that city don't exist anymore at least not in the way that it did then. So victory is ours if we don't quit doing what God has told us to do. I don't know all that God has told you to do, but I know what God has told me to do. And I'm not going to quit doing it until, until he tells me to quit doing it. What about you? What has he told you to do? Are you doing it? Or have you quit doing it? With faith comes obedience. One final truth today about how we can obtain the spiritual victory, how we can win the battles of life, and that is this. Don't be fooled. Judgment day is coming. picture that Brother Howe showed you, hey man, that's horrible, tragic, but don't be fooled. Judgment day is coming. Let's read in verse 17. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you abstain from all the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things. And then in verse 21, And then they utterly destroyed all that was in the city. Listen carefully to this. Both man and woman, young and old, ox, sheep, and donkey, With the edge of the sword. The command was given in verse 17. Was carried out there in verse 21. Everybody in the city of Jericho. Must die. Every living creature. In the city of Jericho. Must die. Now I don't know about you. But that sounds a little cruel to me. That sounds a little over the top to me. But you've got to remember that just like the wicked people in Noah's day, Jericho had been given adequate time to turn from their evil lifestyle and turn to God. You see, worship in Jericho included some horrible stuff. Worship in Jericho included sacrificing children. How's that sound? They did it every day. Killed children in the name of worship. Does that sound pretty awful to you? Raise your hand if it sounds awful. Well, guess what America does. We sacrifice children so that we can live how we want to live. We kill unborn children so that we can live the lifestyle we want to live. And you say, well, I've never done that. Maybe you haven't. But we're all included in a nation that does. So you better make a stand against sacrificing children. But this worship in Jericho also included sexual prostitution. That's right. At the temple, they actually had thousands of prostitutes in the name of worship. It also included the practice of magic and sorcery and all kinds of wicked things. And so the people of Jericho, they had every opportunity that Rahab and her family had to turn to God, but they refused. They weren't going to have any part. Of God, And now, after years and years of increasing wickedness, more children being sacrificed, more prostitutes being had, it was time for judgment. And you need to know that judgment will also come to unbelievers in our present age. We don't like to hear very much of that, and you won't find a whole lot of preachers that will preach that. But it's coming. And if you're not on the Lord's side, then you're facing this judgment. The Apostle Paul warns in 2 Peter chapter 3, listen carefully, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, all of them walking according to their own lusts. But beloved, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord. One day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. What does that mean? That means to God, time is not an issue. Time is not an issue with God. And he continues saying, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness. But listen carefully to this. He's long-suffering. God waits and he waits He may be waiting for some of you this morning. He's waiting. He's waiting patiently. He's long-suffering. He's suffering long, waiting on you to make the decision to get on God's side. He's waiting for you. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all, that every human being might come to repentance and turn to God. But listen to this carefully. But the, but the day of the Lord will come. It might be today for all I know. But the Bible says the day of the Lord will come. It's coming. God's been waiting. He waited for Jericho as long as he could. And then the day of judgment came. So have you been consistently losing life's battles? if the time of God's judgment came today would you enjoy spiritual victory for all eternity in heaven or would you suffer